What I showed you first here was CPR. So when you first have a victim who's choking, they are conscious. They're conscious, their eyes are open, they're looking at you. You can see they're, they may be struggling to breathe, but they're conscious. So that is conscious choking. So just like the woman I described to you earlier, what happened with her baby? Her baby went from conscious to unconscious. So once they become unconscious, that's when you start CPR. If your child was choking, gagging, or God forbid, unresponsive, would you know what to do? Today, we are going to change that. Gail Gould has been a professional CPR instructor for 30 years, and she's here today to teach us how to save a life. Some people are hesitant for whatever reason to take CPR courses, but Gail is here to remind us that the knowledge is far less scary than the worst case scenario. Listen in today on Gail's instruction and head over to Instagram if you'd like for the full video demonstration of how to perform both CPR as well as a choking procedure to an infant. Now, on to some learning. This is something that we really need to take the time to invest in and to learn about. And not only that, but you mentioned this too. We need to encourage our families, our grandparents, our caretakers to really take time to do this as well. So I'm so happy to have you here. We're talking all about something so important today, saving a life. It's something we don't talk about enough and you're just a wealth of information. So Gail, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so grateful to be here spending this time with you, Jessica. So Gail, you have been a professional CPR instructor for over 30 years. Before we dive into your passion and how this all came about, one thing that I wanted to ask you that kind of seems like a silly question, what is CPR? We talk about it, we throw this word around all the time, but can we just boil it down? Absolutely. CPR is cardio pulmonary resuscitation. And what it is, it's a combination of mouth-to-mouth breathing and external chest compressions to circulate the oxygenated blood. So what you're doing is you're literally, you're blowing air into the lungs, you're squeezing blood out of the heart. You're literally squeezing blood out of the heart and shunting blood up to the brain when you're compressing. And you're doing this because if the person can't do it on their own, you need to do this for them. So you're kind of artificially, temporarily keeping the person alive until advanced help can arrive. Your heart, brain, and lungs, all of your body's organs need a continuous supply of blood and oxygen. If they don't receive that, they start to die. So it doesn't matter whether it was a heart attack, a stroke, drowning, poisoning, drug overdose, whatever reason, this person's heart is not pumping out adequate amounts of blood. The victim's organs are starting to die. And that's where CPR comes in. So you're just kind of artificially temporarily keeping the person alive until advanced help can arrive. Jessica, your brain has about four minutes to go without blood and oxygen before it starts to die. So um, basically, so you're, important. it's so, so important. So basically what you're doing, you're just kind of artificially, temporarily keeping the heart, brain, and lungs alive until advanced help can arrive. Somebody's been laying there 10 minutes, no breathing, no blood flow, brain death is certain. So, I mean, clearly this is important for any human to know to help any life, but so important for those who are expecting to bring children into the world or who have children already in the world 
for you, your story is a little bit different because you actually did not become an official mom. I'm sure you've been mom to many, many people over oh, the years, but <laughs> you didn't become an official mom until you were 49 years old, but you actually have used CPR on your son twice. So can we just dive into this passion a little bit? Where did it come from? Well, let me clarify. I've used choking relief, Heimlich maneuver on my son twice. Thank okay. God. Now, there have been two situations where we came close to having to use CPR on him. One was a very serious asthma attack at a park. And the second time was he had a, a severe allergic reaction when a stranger nanny gave him three peanuts to eat at a park. And that's oh how we found gosh. out he had peanut allergy 14 years ago. A stranger nanny gave him three peanuts to eat. And when I'm telling you, his face blew up. I, it was shocking. His face, when I saw him, was as red as this. Oh Hugely swollen, nose is swollen, lips were giant. It was terrifying. <laughs> Hopefully now, 14 years later, there's more heightened awareness about allergies. Hopefully nannies are no longer handing out peanuts to eat to Absolutely. little kids at parks. That was crazy. But yeah. um, getting back to your question, I babbled on, so I forgot your exact question. Where, That's okay. Where did this passion come from? Before my son was born, I had been a group exercise instructor forever and ever and ever when I realized that my theater degree wasn't going to take me very far. far. I <laughs> still wanted to get up and entertain people. So I became a group exercise instructor. And after about 10 years, 10 or 11 years that I wanted to get out of a leotard. So I went back to graduate <laughs> school and got a graduate degree in exercise science and, and health promotion. And after I graduated, um, I had just gotten married, Jessica, and I wanted to, to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to work for myself because my dad had always worked for himself. And, and so I'd been working in hospitals when I was in graduate school. And um, I thought, I'm just going to do corporate health promotion because that's kind of what I love to do. So I um, will call these corporations back in the day when you could actually call people on the phone and speak to people. Right. <laughs> then you have to email. This is like 1989, probably before you were even born. So, um, no, actually, I, I was born in 86. So, oh, all right. All right. So, I was you were three years, years old. old. <laughs> so, I would call these large oil and gas companies here in Houston, like Chevron and Shell and ExxonMobil. And, and they would actually get on the phone. I'd say, are you interested in tobacco cessation? Are you interested in weight management? Are you interested in stress management? They would kind of go, hmm. And then I would mention CPR and they all would say, yes, we need CPR training. It was the easiest sale. So I had just become a CPR instructor right when I finished graduate school and everybody wanted CPR training. So that's kind of how I got started. And I was an American, I was just an American Heart Association instructor back then. Now I'm National Safety Council and American Heart. And so I was very involved with American Heart Association. And that's kind of how it got started. I, I just um, would sit down and cold call these people and everybody was interested in CPR training. And so I was CPR training for corporations a lot of CPR training for preschools because preschools in all states, their employees must have CPR training for their staff every two years. And it's funny because, you know, 30 years ago, the inspectors were not that concerned about the CPR training. Today in preschools, they go by and they check every single 
card to make certain okay. every single card is up to date. It's they've become much, much, much more strict, and I'm so glad. I'm that so glad. That is such a wonderful thing that's happening, and it's a, such a necessity. the The thing that I find still interesting, though, and I saw this in one of your videos, is there still seems to be some sort of some sort of hesitation on learning it and on getting certified. I don't know whether it's a it's a lack of money, it's a lack of care. It can't be because it's a matter of saving a life. What have you found to be the main hesitation for people who, like what holds them back? Well, that's so, that's so interesting. And I so appreciate you doing your, your background research. Um, you know, honestly, um, I've had people tell me in the past, they've said, I don't want to do CPR training because I'm afraid of legal action. So I would never take a CPR wow. class. I mean, I've had a lot of people tell me they're afraid of legal action. And that really is not true because you are covered under the Good Samaritan Law when providing CPR, just as long as the victim is unresponsive, you act in a reasonable and prudent manner, you act in good faith, you don't charge any compensation, you were covered under the Good Samaritan Law. And then wow. I know back um, in Texas, when George W. Bush was still governor before he was president, so it was probably 25 years ago, he signed the AED, the Automated External Defibrillator, onto the Good Samaritan Law as well. So at that point, then everybody, all these large corporations, went and purchased AEDs, and all these large oil and gas companies, all these big guys, they have AEDs on every single floor. Chevron mm. has them on every floor. Shell has them on every floor. Bechtel has them. So they have very well-organized emergency response training programs. So, and, and you know, they, they are not concerned about the Good Samaritan Law. And one of the main reasons, Jessica, people are fearful of giving CPR, they're afraid they're going to hurt the victim. I cannot tell you how many people tell me, oh, I'm so afraid I'm going to hurt the victim. Or when I started compressing, I heard things pop and crack. And I was yeah. I stopped because I was afraid I was going to hurt the victim. Um, but is that know, better than saving their life? <laughs> I mean, well, it could I be tell, in a lot worse pain yes, or no pain at all. Yes. I mean, you're probably going to crack their sternum. You may crack a few ribs. And it's certainly better than the alternative. I've Absolutely. cracked my sternum in four or five ribs. It's not a big deal. It heals in four to six weeks. But I got to tell you, I was very surprised when I got on the clubhouse last January. And I had people tell me, oh, you really need to change the name of your digital course. That's too scary. How to help a choking child. That's too triggering. I had I had people <laughs> tell me, this is too scary. I I had I had two girls, two women, purchase my digital course and then email me and tell me I'm too scared to click on it. Oh my gosh. I didn't understand that at all. So I had to talk them into clicking on it afterwards. They were like, that wasn't scary at all. I'm so glad I did it. And these were both girls with young children. And then I had someone else, a really, really sweet girl from Illinois. She kept emailing me and saying, I really want to take your, your, your virtual CPR class, but I'm really, I'm really scared. And so she went ahead and signed up. And afterwards she was like, that wasn't scary at all. So she wrote a testimonial that I actually mm. posted um, on my Instagram feed post. So I, I'm not quite certain why it's so triggering because I tell people what would be triggering, what would be scary to me 
would be to have a situation and have no clue what to do. And that's what happened. That's how I ended up creating a digital course, How to Help Your Choking Child, because I met a loving mom back in January 2020, right before the pandemic. I met a mom who lost her infant to choking. And I, I, you know, so I was at a client and they told me, they're like, Gail, there's this woman that came to speak with us and she lost her baby to choking. So I asked if I could speak with her and they called her. They said, our CPR instructor would like to speak with you. So she and I spoke for about an hour and I cried when I was on the phone with her, Jessica, because it takes me less than 10 minutes to teach people how to help a choking child. Right. But she, her baby started choking she went into panic mode, ran to the neighbor's house. By the time she got back <gasps> oh. home, her baby had died. Oh, my gosh. There's a silver lining to the story that was as sad as it is. She, We spoke in January of 2020. She called me in November of 2020. And we kind of remained in contact in between January mm. and November. And she said, I'm pregnant again. I oh. want to take a CPR class. So she took my Zoom CPR training and I was so worried. I was like, oh God, I just know I'm going to say something that's going to trigger, it's going to upset her. And at one point she turned her video off. I was like, oh my God, I know she's crying. I thought to myself, she must be crying. Because can you imagine how hard yeah. that was for her to, t- I just, I can't even imagine. So so um, she came back on video and I called her right afterwards. I was like, are you okay? You turn your video off. She goes, oh, I just had to go pee. <laughs> <laughs> So then she, she had her baby about six weeks ago. I'm just, Mm. I'm so happy for her. So, so So she had her baby and, and, um, we, you know, we kind of stay in contact, but I just, just what a courageous person to take a CPR class after what happened. Wow. So she told me, I just have goosebumps. Oh my gosh. I I know. I just, I, I'm telling you, I cried the first time we spoke. I just couldn't, I just. So it's just, it, it, yeah, and I'm sure she knows this, you know, choking is, it's all about prevention. It right. is all about prevention. And just yesterday on my Instagram feed post, I posted three of the top choking foods for kids, which are hot dogs, whole hot dogs, whole grapes, and popcorn. And mm-hmm. my son did not have popcorn until he was almost four. <laughs> I didn't mm-hmm. let him. And then I cut his hot dogs lengthwise and into quarters till he was 12. Wow. Because I knew a teenager who died from choking on a hot dog. So if you read the literature, mm-hmm. they say, cut your kid's hot dogs to four. I think that's too early. I'd say at least six. Yeah. But um, And it, it does happen. It absolutely possibly happens. So back to your question. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite certain why people are fearful of taking CPR, but there are definitely people who are like, oh God, that's too scary. I could never do it. Well, that's why we're talking today, because we are here to get rid of any anxiety, nerves, or what might be frightful for people to just know that this is something, sometimes things are scary, but they can help you from saving a life and and potentially your own child's life. So I want to say too. I went ahead and purchased and took the yes, how to help your child. Thank you so much. Yeah, I saw that. Yes. Yeah, so it's called. She mentioned it before, and it'll be in the show notes. But it's called how to help your choking child mini course. And I was blown away because I was like, I've I'm not yet a mom, but I'm a, I've been babysitting for years, and I shamelessly am saying that I have never taken an official course, and I'm feeling so much guilt from that. Oh my I'll gosh. take that to therapy. 
<laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I just, it's amazing too what you can get out of a course like this that's online. And I think the most important thing for everyone to remember that in, in talking kind of about why don't people just jump on this this idea and this lesson is it's so much easier than it seems. It yes. can, it, I think we have this idea. I know I had this idea that it's, how are you going to remember this? How are you going to remember all these steps? How are you going to know? But it's really so simple. So I have so many questions, but the very most important thing that we need to do today is just have a beautiful demonstration, which will be posted up on Instagram, the video if people want to see, but also, of course, just the audio will be helpful for people. A demonstration on both infant CPR or or what did you call it? Choking? Choking relief. Choking relief. Choking okay, relief. So both for infants and then for what you consider to be child, which is above the age of one. Is that yes. correct? Yes. Very good. Yeah. Yes. So see, you paid that, that was just one, you right? That was just one little mini course, people. You can learn really quickly. So I'm going to pass it over to you. And if you can just bring us through, walk us through what we need to do first for an infant and then for a child. Okay. All right. So I am going to, that actually, that works out really well. All right. So in the CPR world, an infant is zero to one year, a child is one up to eight, and eight and up is an adult. So zero to one is an infant, one up to eight is a child, eight and up is an adult. So the way I like to describe it, Jessica, if you can fit your baby on your arm from head to toe, treat them as an infant. If you can't, treat them as a child. So for instance, if you have an eight-month-old that's weighing 35 pounds, you would not be able to fit him on your arm. That is a yeah. giant eight-month-old. You need to treat him as a child. Or conversely, maybe you have a 14-month-old who's small. So if you can fit the baby in your arm like this from head to toe, treat them as an infant. If you can't, treat them as a child. So we'll start with infant CPR and move to my child CPR. So CPR must be done on a hard, flat surface. Cannot be done on a sofa, cannot be done in a crib, cannot be done in a bed, cannot be done in a car seat. It's got to be a hard, flat surface. So I see this baby laying here. I have absolutely no idea what's wrong with her. I don't know whether she's meditating, whether she's relaxing, <laughs> sleeping, playing a practical joke, just laying around, or she's unconscious. So the first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to tap her foot. I'm going to go, baby, baby, wake up. Baby, can you hear me? And she's not responding. So I'm going to send someone. I'm going to say, you... Go call 911 to get the AD. Now, this is really important. If you're all alone, there's no one else around but you and your child, you give two minutes of care and then you call 911. If mm -hmm. someone else is there, you go call 911. But the reason you should give two minutes of care if you're all alone with your child is children are more likely to respond to your care. An adult, I'm going to say teenager on up, is very likely going to need to be defibrillated by the AED, the automated external defibrillator. Not so much with children. Children more likely respond to your care. So if you're all alone, it's just you and your child, you and your baby, two minutes of care, and then call 911. All right, so this baby is not responding. And the way you determine if someone needs CPR all you do is scan their body and check for breathing. That's it. We no longer want you to check the pulse. Even though you still see pulse check on TV and the movies, we no longer want 
the non-healthcare provider to check for a pulse. So all you're going to do is scan their body for five to 10 seconds to look for any signs of breathing. And there, this baby is not breathing normally. She's gasping, she's gurgling, making some strange breathing noises. So she is not breathing normally. So if somebody is not breathing normally or they're not breathing at all, breathing at all, they need CPR. So for a baby, I'm going to use two fingers. So I'm going to place my two fingers right beneath her nipple line on the vertical axis of the sternum. She so kind of draw an imaginary horizontal line right between her nipples. And um, you place your, your fingers right beneath that line. And I'm going to give her 30 chest compressions. 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30. I'm compressing about one third of the way down to the ground. It's about one to one and a half inches. Then I'm going to come down here. I'm going to open up her airway. I'm going to pull her back. I'm going to blow over her nose and her mouth. I'm going to give her two little puffs of air. Almost like you're blowing out a candle. Two puffs of air. You saw her chest go up and down. 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, so you do this 32, 32, 32, 32, five times. It should take you two minutes or less. So this is CPR for an infant. You don't need to know why the baby lost consciousness and stopped breathing. All you need to know about a victim is, are they conscious? Are they unconscious? Are they breathing? Are they not breathing? You have the slightest inkling this baby is not breathing normally or not breathing at all, immediately start chest compressions. They wake up and want to know what you're doing to them. That's a good outcome. It's a better <laughs> outcome than not giving them CPR, having them have permanent brain damage and death. Because remember, your brain only has about four minutes to go without blood and oxygen before it starts to die. And a baby really even less, maybe three minutes. So what I'm doing, I'm literally shunting blood up to her brain. Blood and oxygen up to her brain is what I'm doing. You're trying to keep her heart, brain, and lungs alive until advanced help, meaning EMS, emergency medical services, the paramedics can arrive to help. So basically, you're just assisting the victim until advanced help can arrive. I saw in one of the videos that I watched with a grown-up, you were talking about tilting their head back in case yes. they were choking on something. Would you do the same thing with an infant or not? You have to open everybody's airway. Otherwise, you won't be able to blow air in everybody's airway. And the reason you do that, because when you pull the head back, it pulls the tongue off the back of the airway. So in order to blow air in, it's you have to pull that head back to move the tongue out of the way in order to blow air in. If I tried to blow it, watch what happens if I don't open up the baby's airway. No air mm. goes in. When I open up her airway, you can see the air goes yeah. in. So um, there was something else I wanted to, to oh, I know what I was going to mention. The main cause of unintentional death of infants under the age of one is obstructed airway, meaning choking. So let me say that again. The main cause of unintentional death of infants under the age of one is obstructed airway. 
um, just like the woman whose story I told you about, whose baby. Um, now, are there thousands and thousands and thousands of babies who die each year from choking? No. Around 3,000 people a year die from choking. And someone said to me on Clubhouse, this really shocked me. She goes, well, not that many kids die from choking. Well, that's true. Not many kids. <laughs> One I was is thinking, too many. Yeah. I was thinking she must not be a mom. But if it's your kid, it's a lot. And yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's, and, and no child, no parent should ever have to lose a child to choking ever because it's so preventative. It, it's just, it's something you can prevent. It absolutely. is absolutely. So I hope that you got that from taking my digital course, that it's really all about prevention. Yeah. And so one thing I'm curious about is you, in the course, you talk about um, the blows to the back if they're potentially That's choking, choking as an right. infant. That's choking. So at what point do you know, do you deliver the blows to the back or do you deliver CPR? That's a very good witnessed? question. That's a very good question. Now, what I showed you first here was CPR. So when you first have a victim who's choking, they are conscious. They're conscious. Their eyes are open. They're looking at you. You can see they're, they may be struggling to breathe but they're conscious. So that is conscious choking. So just like the woman I described to you earlier, what happened with her baby, her baby went from conscious to unconscious. So oh, once they become unconscious, that's when you start CPR. So if you want, I can demonstrate conscious choking now. I would love that. Yeah. Okay. So here's this baby, here's this baby. And how do you know if someone is choking? The way you'll know your baby is choking, choking is silent. Mm. You will see a pale face, blue lips. You may hear a high-pitched crowing noise that sounds like this. <clears throat> Their eyes may be watering. Um, you will hear minimal, a very weak or ineffective cough or no noise at all. You need to immediately step in and intervene and provide choking relief. Now, this is different than gagging. Gagging is very loud. You will hear coughing, gurgling, crying. You will see a beet red face. They may thrust their tongue forward. They may even vomit. Gagging, you do not want to intervene. Babies have a very sensitive gag reflex, and it's there to keep them from choking. It's when they stop crying, they stop gurgling, their face turns pale, their lips turn blue. That's when you need to step in and intervene. So gagging, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, there's a couple things I just want to highlight on this because I interviewed a um, registered dietitian nutritionist. Her episode will already be out when yours comes out. And she was talking about choking and gagging as well. And she was saying too that, you know, sometimes when you're trying out new foods, a child might not enjoy the food. And so it might not even be that their airway is obstructed, but they're gagging and they're just trying to get it up and it can look really scary and kind of sound really scary. But just like you said, I want to make sure that everyone who's listening and, and watching really understands what Gail just said. Do not intervene if it is gagging. Yes. Because you can actually, what you had said, you can have that food go further down to then yes. lead to choking, right? Yes. And the other thing is, you 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 know, you don't want to look at your baby and go, oh my God, geez, you know, you don't want to put fear in your baby. Right. Because that could scare them even more. Yes. Yeah. And, and so, 
it's really important to know the difference between gagging and choking. Gagging is loud. It's noisy. Their face is going to be beat red. They may be gurgling, coughing. They may vomit. And sometimes if you just hold your hand underneath their mouth, they may actually spit the food into your hand. Yeah. And so it's really important to know the difference. Once they become silent, their face becomes pale. You don't hear any noise. That's when you need to step in. And this is what you need to do. So you turn your baby upside down, head lower than the feet, and right in between the shoulder blades, you're going to give five back slaps. It'll look like this. One, two, three, four, five. Now, how am I going to know if it comes out? You will hear crying screaming, <laughs> blood curling noise. You don't hear anything. You don't see anything. Now you're going to turn your baby face up. Now I'm going to place my fingers right beneath the nipple line, just like we did in CPR. And I'm going to give five chest thrusts. One, two, three, four, five. Then I'm going to go look in the mouth. Keep your fingers out of their mouth unless you see it. If you see the object, take your pinky finger and sweep it out. Otherwise, keep your fingers out of the mouth because the cavity of their mouth is about that big, Jessica. You stick your finger in there, it's likely you're going to push it farther down. Right. So only, and I've met numerous people who admitted to me they did that and it ended up going farther down. Nothing mm. in there. Flip the baby over. Five back blows. One, two, three, four, five. Flip him over, face up. One, two, three, four, five. Go look in the mouth. And you continue these back slaps and chest thrusts until the object is expelled or, God forbid, until your baby becomes unresponsive. And that's when you would start the steps of CPR. Mm. Anytime someone's unresponsive and not breathing, you start CPR. It doesn't matter why they become unresponsive. Unresponsive, no breathing, immediately start chest compressions. Two, it's important to know, you mentioned this in the course, that the, those slaps seem pretty hard, but they need yes. to be pretty hard, correct? Yes. Don't worry about hurting the baby. Babies are much more sturdy than we give them credit for. So don't worry right. about hurting the baby. You want to give a pretty good, good block, probably harder than you intuitively think you should. Yeah. I think I recently saw something, it was a video of a child who was choking and the mother actually didn't even know it for quite some time. She was busy with another child. They were at a mall and police came over and started oh doing God. this oh procedure. My. Really? Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Because um, she didn't know what to do and she was overwhelmed. And watching the video actually, now the baby ended up being okay, but watching the video this process that you're explaining right now went on for quite some time to the point that I would even think if I was going through it, like, should I stop? You know, oh my gosh. So I think it's important to reiterate too that you don't stop until either the item has been released or like you said, God forbid, they do go unconscious, which then we move to that CPR step. Yes, that, that's exactly. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to see that video if you... If you wouldn't mind I'll sharing I'll look for it and link. send it to you. I would say over my 30 plus years of doing this, I've had numerous people tell me they had to administer CPR. I've had thousands and thousands and thousands of people tell me, oh yeah, I had to give my son the Heimlich maneuver. Oh, I had to do it to a stranger in a mall. I had to do it to my coworker. I've done it three times. It's so, it's so common 
Choking is so common. Death from choking, not terribly common. So when you hear about it, it's like, oh my God, how did that happen? Conscious choking. I would say, Jessica, every second class I teach, one or two people have either done the Heimlich maneuver themselves or had it done to them. It's very, very common. And honestly, one of the most common things that people tell me their kids have choked on are coins, pennies, nickels, and dimes. Just oh last night, some girl told me, oh yeah, my, my daughter, when she was five, swallowed a nickel. And you would think a five-year-old would know better, but they don't. My son, when he was six, I'll never forget this. I walked into his room and he said, oh, you know that screw I was playing with with my car, it jumped into my mouth and I swallowed it. Oh my God. <laughs> at six. No, he didn't choke on it, but you know, we had to take him to get an x-ray. But yeah, you would think that, you know, but, but you tell people don't leave those pennies, nickels and dimes laying around on the floor underneath the sofa, mm -hmm. reach over because to a toddler or an infant that looks very, very curious because they're Absolutely. so curious. And I, I, I mean, I, I will bet, I'll bet 2000 people have told me their kids are choked on coins. Definitely one of the most common choking hazards. I feel like, Gail, we could just go on and on and on, but that's why I'm going to tell people to click on the link in the show notes and sign up for the mini course because we haven't even gotten into food safety tips, age ranges, and how to treat it differently. Anybody listening to this, truly, even if you don't have children, you have to learn how to do this because like you just discussed, you never know when you're going to come in contact with somebody. Well, you don't. You really don't. So what I like <sighs> to tell people, Jessica, is that it's it's kind of like having insurance. We all have to have Completely. insurance and we hope we never use it. Same thing with CPR. You hope you never ever have to use it, but boy, if you need it, you certainly want to know what to do. And, and um, I'll also just say, Gail, <laughs> this course is only, what is it, $29? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think everyone should take a full, full course in person, everything. But now with nowadays, we you know we have online, we have all these things going on. So at least with this mini course for $29, you can get a good, a good start. And I think that's the most important thing. The last thing that I want to touch on, when you see a child going into some sort of whether it's choking or gagging, should we instinctually first get them out of their chair if they're sitting in a high chair and they're coughing. Coughing is good. You want them to cough. Coughing, they'll hopefully be able to cough it up themselves. So, right. and then you don't really slap anyone over the edge of one on the back, even during choking relief. So, you know, I know intuitively, instinctually, you want to go over there and help the child, but there's really no benefit to slapping them on the back and you could potentially make things worse. Now, mm. if you think someone's choking, again, I think the takeaway message here is choking is silent. So right. they're coughing, they're in their high chair, they're coughing, they're gagging, they're making noise. All of a sudden things become quiet. That's when you go over there, you lift them up out of the high chair and depending on their age, if they're under the age of one, this is what you're going to do. If they're over the age of one, you get them out of their high chair, you make a fist, place your thumb inside the fist right above the navel and you give abdominal thrust right above the belly button, well below the, the rib cage, in and up. Mm. Almost like you're drawing the Nike swoosh on their stomach. So that's what you do for anyone over the age of one. So I would say, and I know we all do it. I see people slapping people in the back all the time, maybe yeah. in a restaurant, um, on TV. It's best not to. Mm. Cool. It's best uh -uh. not to. But the takeaway message is, 
being noisy is good. It's when they become silent that you have to take action. I love this saying, loud and red, let them go ahead. Silent and blue, they need help from you. That's exactly what I was going to say. I love that you have that line, and it's such a good thing to remember. Oh, gosh, Gail, what beautiful, amazing work that you're doing. Thank and I'm you so, so much. grateful. It really means a lot to me to hear you say that. Thank you so much, because it definitely, you know, my mission is to CPR train as many parents, grandparents, teachers, and caregivers as possible. Well, I know everyone listening has gained so much knowledge today, and I hope they go over and just, I mean, $29, check out that mini course. It's so necessary. Thank you, you so much, save a life, Jessica. So. Well, Gail, thank you so, so much thank for your you, time. Thank you, Jessica. Oh, my goodness. This has been so pleasure. much fun for me. Highlight of my day, not my week. Good. So much time to spend fun <laughs> with you. So much fun to spend time with you. Absolutely. Take care. If you enjoyed the show today, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and leave a review on Apple Podcasts so I know how to better serve you. I'd also love for you to join our community of Mamas in Training on Facebook. You can find me at Mamas in Training on Instagram and at mamasintraining.com. For Mamas in Training, I'm Jessica Lorian. We're in this together.